Welcome to the Dance Floor Ballroom podcast, the podcast where we talk all things ballroom. And I have a very special dancer on my podcast episode today who's going to be talking about some non-ballroom things as well because she's an amazing dance teacher. Her name is Dory. Hello, Dory. Hello. Obviously, you're not a ballroom dancer. Correct. And what style of dance have you grown up perfecting throughout your life? Ballet and modern are my two first loves. Very cool. Especially ballet. Ballet is what I started out with when I was a child. And then when I got to high school, I started getting a taste of modern, contemporary type dance. And when I went to college, I majored in dance. And that was really what I got fed lots and lots of and loved it because it's so expressive and just open. I think a lot of people feel that ballet is sort of the foundation for everything. Are you one of those people of that school of thought? Absolutely. Absolutely. And why is that specifically? Like, what do you feel about ballet is giving you that mold for everything else that you have to do in dance? So ballet, it gives you a discipline that you can take into just about everything else in your life, but and definitely into the other dance forms. Um, gives you a good foundation for having your strong core and lifting your body up and carriage and understanding the way your muscles work, how, what makes a foot point, what makes your leg turn out. What, all of those things can be translated into any of the other dance forms. Yeah, that makes total sense. I I wish, I feel like if I could go back and relive my life again, I would have a stronger foundation in ballet because I've seen that throughout my own dance journey. Mm-hmm. When I've, the few times I've worked on ballet and the, and the few times I've actually had that experience that I'm like, oh, wow, I feel like this is a muscle I've not felt before. And now it's, it's awake and I'm using it and it's, it's somehow strengthening another part of my body. Yes. And I think that's incredible. I think one of the cool things we, we started talking about before we even started recording, we started talking about ballet, we started talking about body weight, we started talking about all of these things that sort of tie into dance. So even though I'm coming from a ballroom background and you're coming from more of a classical dance background, we keep finding all of these similarities with things because movement is movement mm-hmm. and understanding how your body changes position is huge. And I, in fact, I was telling you about one of my favorite students. We always, when I'm having lessons with him, we always talk about the four P's. Yes. We talk about posture. We talk about position. We talk about poise. And then the most obvious thing in ballroom would be the actual pattern, like mm-hmm. the step that you're doing. And I feel like that kind of translates globally over to all of the dances. Oh, absolutely. No question. That's a good, I'm going to remember that. (laughs) The four P's. (laughs) The four P's. I'm sure I could think of another one, but like for now we just talk about the four because that's enough to focus on. Even just your poise, kind of understanding where your body weight is in connection with where your feet are. Mm -hmm. And that kind of takes us into the theme of today's episode. I talked about this to you a while ago and I thought, wow, like you're a classical dance teacher. Mm -hmm. Like you're totally going to get this concept of the mirror. Today's episode is entitled Man in the Mirror, which is a little nod to Michael Jackson because he's the greatest. Yeah. (laughs) And we were going to come up with some, some topics about why it's important to use the mirror to practice. When I actually first started teaching professionally and competing and practicing and taking dancing really, really seriously, one of my insecurities, one of my biggest insecurities was looking at myself in the mirror. And it was for a lot of reasons. It was because I felt like conceited like in a weird way like I'd be afraid like people would be like why is she just staring at herself in the mirror that's weird why is she standing so close to the mirror so I had this real insecurity that if people saw me looking at myself in the mirror while I was dancing and while I was practicing it seemed like (laughs) 
Like, I don't know. Like I had some sort of crazy big ego uh, and I had a real insecurity with that at that's, first. That's funny because I've had little, little kids in my ballet classes and as I'm instructing the rest of the class, I'll have one little child who will be right up in front of the mirror. Like, I love that kid. Sticking out its tongue. <laughs> How does that look if I do that? What about if I do this position or whatever? And they'd be trying different things while the rest of the class was jumping or pointing their toes. And yeah, usually that kid was the most creative and and would go on to bigger and better things. Because there's that layer of Mm self-awareness that you sort of just cast off that you don't care about. Right. And it was really important. Luckily, I don't think I would be a very good dancer today if I hadn't been able to get over that insecurity because dancing in the mirror is so, it's, it's so, so crucial. We're going to talk about some reasons why today, but it's also kind of that thing where as you're looking at yourself in the mirror, you are getting an awareness of your body and how it moves and how you change position. So Dory and I came up with a few points. We came up with some pros and cons because while we are going to try to encourage you to use the mirror as much as possible in your dance practice, we also are aware that there's sort of a dark side to using the mirror. And so we're going to go through a couple of those things today. First up on the pro list, we have a realistic visual of what you're doing. One of my biggest problems in dance is that I might think I'm doing like a line all out and I've just given it my all and I look fantastic and I either see myself in a video or I see myself in the mirror and I'm like, oh, wow, I don't even look like I've moved an inch. Mm. How is that something that you've dealt with either with your own dancing or with students, that thing that you think you're doing in your head versus how it's translating to an audience or to the mirror? So a good example of that as you're thinking about how something looks in the mirrors, uh, arabesque. So arabesque is a long, the longest line that your your body can create from the fingertips to your toes. But getting somebody who's a very beginning dancer to understand lengthening that far, they might feel like they have stretched that far. But if they look in the mirror, they'll realize, oh, their arm has two more inches that it can I have grow. so much more range of motion than I exactly. realized. Exactly, yeah. yes. Um, it also happens sometimes when I sit people on the floor, and this can happen with adults or, you know, young people, as they're sitting there flexing and pointing their toes, uh, I'll say, look in the mirror and tell me, is your body starting to shrink? And <laughs> And it does. It it just (laughs) tends to shrink. And then they'll look at themselves and pull up and they've grown like two inches and didn't even realize that they didn't even realize that that happened until they looked in the mirror. That's incredible because there is that awareness. Again, we come back to that self-awareness and I think that's probably going to be the major theme for today's episode is becoming aware of your body and becoming in tune to it and using the mirror literally as a reflection of that. And I think that that realistic visual of, okay, well, I feel like I'm giving it my all. I've gone my full range of motion. And then you, you do that look in the mirror and you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm really not making the, the shape that I thought I was making. And it is, you know, it's the mirror is hopefully not going to lie to you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to tell you what you're doing wrong, which is helpful. Yes. Now flipping to the other side of this, one of the cons we have, and there's, there are going to be a lot. I feel like we, when we made our list, there's almost an equal amount of pros and cons to working in the mirror. One of the cons is becoming overly reliant on the mirror. 
I think a really, really great example would be that you get so used to focusing on what you're doing in the mirror that when you actually, especially in ballroom, when you actually go to dance with a partner or when you go to actually move away from the mirror, you all of a sudden get that distorted sense of reality where you're like, wait, I don't know where my focus is. I don't know where my body should be. So what are your thoughts on becoming too overly reliant on it? I think that what happens quite often is you if you're used to looking at the mirror to to grab the shape or whatever and you uh, it's taken away or you're turned around you're not you have not internalized it you were counting on that tool to help fix you each time and when it's not there it's not ingrained into your actual muscle memory unless you've seen it, you know, unless you can see it visually. It could easily become a crutch. Right, exactly. What I was thinking as you were talking earlier, the mirror should just be another tool, just like the various music that you use or your the shoes that you're using, the costume you're using, the skirt or whatever. It should just be another tool, not something that you rely on to create you as a dancer. Actually, you saying that reminds me of you posted this. I keep meaning to talk to you about this too. You posted this. Um, I guess it's kind of like a meme on Facebook the other day. And it was just, it was like a, of a ballerina and I'm not, I'm not going to articulate this as well as it did in the little quote, but it said something about how it doesn't matter how many pirouettes or fuetes or whatever you can do. All that you're really trying to translate as a dancer is that emotion that you're trying to convey through the movement. And so it doesn't matter how many tricks or flips or whatever, like physical energetic things that you can do. The quality of the movement is really all that matters. I think I really just needed to hear that that day as well. Because for me as a dancer, I've always been just personally, I've always been drawn to more simple movement. Mm -hmm. I've always been much more connected like to lyrics in music, Um, sometimes changes in rhythm. I, I think that there is an excellent place for dips and tricks and splits and whatever, but I've never been physically, I've never been drawn to that. It's never been comfortable for me. It's never been something I really liked. And when I saw that post, I was like, wow, I really, really needed to hear that because it was such a beautiful sentiment. And I think kind of tying that into like using things as tools and not necessarily feeling like you have this checklist of, okay, like, you know, my... My posture does have to look a certain way. My technique has to be a certain way. But at the end of the day, you really are just trying to convey something to people that's going to create a feeling or create some sort of a response. And I was like, oh, I just, I keep meaning to tell you that. Like that was, it was such a nice, nice thought about dance. It is. Um, Dance is a form of expression. It's it's one of the oldest, uh, oldest human traits that we have to rely on to express ourselves even before language you know dance is a universal language you can go anywhere on this planet and find a commonality through movement and you never have to say a word it was interesting what you were saying about that meme one of the things that always has stuck with me one of my favorite ballerinas who was just about done by the time I was old enough to truly appreciate her was Margot Fontaine. Margot Fontaine was a prima ballerina with the Royal Ballet, a beautiful English ballerina, and she danced much of the time with Rudolf Nureyev. Her arabesque never went above 90 degrees, (laughs) so the highest that she could get her arabesque was straight out, but she was always considered one of the greatest ballerinas, you know, in historical sense and she was the most she was absolutely 
stunningly expressive. And she didn't need tricks to do that, right. you know. And some of some of my favorite dancers are expressive. I mean, it's all about the expression rather than doing 16 pirouettes. Now, mind you. <laughs> no, Baruj- that is impressive. <laughs> Baruchnikov can do that. And he can do everything. I'm in love with him. Everything. He's a superhero. Yeah. Yes. He's just like... Oh my God. He's amazing. <laughs> I have a crush on him like 30 years ago and I have a crush on him today. Like, yes. He's just Agreed. incredible. Yeah. He's a classic. But again, I, I think that there's that intangible thing that we connect with in dancers, whether it's like in ourselves internally or that we see in other people and quality of technique is going to be important. All of those things are going to be really, really, really crucial to your development as a dancer. But at the same time, there is sort of this, this energy that we feel from dancers and it's inexplicable. We can't put a definition on why it is that we connect with certain people. There's just that energy there. So another great reason for practicing in front of the mirror, and we have like a a nice solid list of them, would be that you get to sort of obsess over specific body isolations. And again, coming from a ballroom perspective, it it does kind of depend on what style that you're working on. If you're working on Latin or rhythm or smooth and standard, you are constantly trying to get these muscle groups to work in coordination with each other in harmony. But at the same time, they each have their own job to do. And that amount of coordination is just insane that our bodies can actually accomplish that. And that's before you even put it alongside of a partner. So in ballroom, Obviously, if you're using the mirror, we're discussing this more from a from a solo kind of exercise standpoint, working on your own personal dancing before you come together with a partner. Mm-hmm. But working on those specific body isolations can be really, really challenging unless you can actually see the parts moving that you want to move. It was interesting. My, my coworker and I were on Instagram the other day, and we have multiple dance studios on our Instagram newsfeed. And there was a studio that had posted a video practicing brush swivels. Oh, yeah. And the instructor had her hands on the mirror. I'm like, oh, gosh, the mirror is really going <laughs> to need some cleaning ah! later. <laughs> but, but And she had her student next to her. And my coworker was very intrigued by it. And she she really wanted to get up in front of the mirror and 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 work on it. And you definitely could see that she was getting the feeling of the swivel by actually seeing herself going back and forth. And the same with the um student in the in the video as well. And it definitely made a difference in figuring out that swivel and what what was working and what was not working. And again, it's because the mirror is not going to lie to you. It's Mm -hmm. even sometimes when my husband and I used to compete, when Lewis and I used to compete, we would spend the money and get videos of ourselves. And that was, that was a helpful tool because again, it goes back to, I think I'm doing something and then I watch the video and then that is not what I'm doing. But it, it, it does, the video kind of does deaden the experience a little bit. It's, it's being filmed from far away and it's, you're not getting that energy. And, but there is something about the mirror that it's just going to give you back exactly what you give it. So if you're moving that muscle and getting it to work, it's going to follow through. And I think that that's a huge thing because isolating your body is such a challenge. I think I, I still work on it as a dancer and, mm-hmm. and having that control over the, it's, it's like a clock or like the gears in a clock, all of these little working bits that if they don't line up perfectly, you don't get that result. Exactly. That takes us into one of the cons of using the mirror, which is, this is actually kind of a little bit of a weakness for me, is getting disoriented by relying on it too much. Mm-hmm. 
So this, I guess, from my perspective, would be more for dancers who are using the mirror too much and then having to perform or compete. You're getting so used to that spatial orientation of like, okay, I'm going to do two turns and then I face the mirror. (laughs) And then you get that satisfaction of going, I landed the turn. There's my face. I can see myself in the mirror. But then if you don't flip sides and face a different direction, then when you go to perform, you go to land that turn. And when you don't see your own reflection in front of you, you're thrown. No, it's a giant void that you're looking at. A void is a good, <laughs> a good word. You're <laughs> on a emptiness. stage and there's just lights in your face and the audience is all dark. Yeah, there's nothing to really focus on like there was when you were facing the mirror. And um, it's definitely an disorienting. The only thing you can do is, is, is practice facing different directions and turning yourself around and doing something away from the mirror. Away from the mirror is, should always be part of the practice as well. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think it goes into anything that we're going to talk about with dance and life, whatever, is it's all about a balance. Mm-hmm. So you do want to use the mirror, obviously, because then you get that satisfaction of like, I landed the turn. It was three quarters and boom, I'm here, whatever. But at the same time, if you do get used to that, you rely on it too much. Yes. Our next pro kind of takes us back into our last point, which was talking about specific isolations. I specifically had written down cause and effect. Now, for me, I think, you know, you know this because you've been dancing forever. Mm. But I think for for me too, you sort of start to gravitate towards your own theories in dance. There's so many things that you could talk about, but you're going to probably as a dance instructor or as a dancer, you're probably going to have four or five theories that are sort of like define you as a dancer. You and I were talking about body weight earlier today. Yes. And that's one of mine that I obsess over. If I, I feel like if you don't know where your body weight is, you don't know where your balance is, you don't know where your position is, like nothing works. Even your head weight. Like I, I talk to my students so much about their head weight, like where your head is in relation mm. to your body and your feet and that affects your balance. But one of the other things that's, I feel like sort of the building block of who I think I am as a dancer, as a teacher is cause and effect. And that really, really translates into ballroom because I don't like to, maybe this is like my little bit of feminism in me coming out. I don't like to say like lead and follow as much anymore as a dancer. I find myself, even with my beginner students, I kind of hate saying lead and follow because I feel like there's this, uh, (laughs) I, I don't know how to articulate it that well, but I feel like there's this reasoning that the man is making all the decisions and the woman is submissive. And there is that, that there can be sort of that dynamic to it. And that can be kind of like sexy and that can be kind of cool. But at the same time, I think I've developed my own personal theories that everything is just action and reaction. Exactly. The man does something, the woman reacts to it. Then the man reacts to that. And it's sort of this unending like chain effect of things that happen. And I think that using the mirror as a sense to really connect with the cause and effect of what you do and Mm -hmm. how it affects either when you're dancing with a partner, your partner, or how what you're doing with your own body is affecting your balance and so on. Right. There was somebody taking a private lesson the other day at the studio where that topic actually came into play. She was leaning one way and that's the way she was supposed to lean. But as the turn continued... There was a point where her lean had to go the other way. She had to counterbalance herself. She had to counterbalance herself, and she wasn't going there. And it was requiring the male to have to use a lot more energy to get... (laughs) And probably strain on his back. Yep, exactly. Being able to see that in the mirror and say, okay, it has to go from here to here, and it is... 
it is the cause and effect that's what's going to continue the movement to the, the next place. You kind of get a feeling for that when you can actually see see that, see that in the mirror. Um, it's funny, we didn't even write this down, but you just brought up a really good point. Obviously, especially in ballroom, what you're doing affects your partner. If, you're, if your balance is off and, and your head weight is off or your, or your counterbalancing is off. So practicing in front of the mirror, if, if you're strengthening yourself solo as a dancer, you're just going to make yourself, I mean, it's true in life, right? If, you, right? if you're like have a healthy relationship with yourself and you love yourself, then you're a better partner in life or dance or whatever. So I think that's actually that you brought up a really good point with that is like, oh yeah, obviously everything you do, that cause and effect is going to, is going to, you know, have an impact on your partner too. Sure. Absolutely. Yep. Funnily enough, that brings us to one of our cons, which is not translating your technique to a partnership or feeling very, very different practicing your technique by yourself in the mirror than it does with a partner. Mm. So, I mean, I know this very well, and it's it's from dancing smooth, it's from dancing rhythm. You you practice your technique in front of the mirror, mm-hmm. and you get it down to a science, and it's perfect, and you feel really comfortable with it. But that's all before you've even like had another person standing in front of you. So one of the cons to dancing too much with the mirror is that you sort of start to get this expectation that how it feels by yourself is how it's going to feel with a partner. Right. I don't know how that would translate to you. So obviously, even with ballet, you've worked in partnerships. Absolutely. Did I that have. ever like kind of um, diminish yeah. that? I think working by yourself, what you are finding is your, you know, is your own strength. And this came into play on a lift that happened with one of the pairs that were that danced in our recent showcase. One of the other instructors said, she's doing all the work, even though here's the guy, he's hoisting Isn't her up. Funny? She's turn he's turning her. How can she be doing anything except be a victim of whatever he's right. doing? However, it was her own strength that was her, you know, keeping her core together. So in ballet, everybody has seen this. If you've ever seen a little, any kind of dance duet with with ballet, the woman will be in front of the man. She will, Dave will pay her leg forward, take it out to the side, and then do like six pirouettes. And you're like, really? She didn't do that many? That man turned her. <laughs> Well, he assisted the turn, but... Oh, I love that word, assisted. Yes. But she had to be on her point, and she's the one on her point. If if she's relying too heavily on him to do all of the work, it's just, it's going to fall apart very, very quickly. So she's got to be lifted. She's got to be on that turn. She's got to be where her arms need to be. She's got to be spotting every single turn. And he is just giving her that extra nudge that she needs to finish it out with the sixth pirouette or whatever it's going to. So, yeah, it's definitely an assistance kind of thing. When you're talking about ballroom partnerships, I feel like that's the same thing. There is a lead and a follow to it. Yeah, definitely. Still, I think the woman has as much to say about where it's going and her strength and her spots and her turns, uh, you know, it's all keeping the momentum of the dance 
moving. I love that word momentum. It's funny that you say that. I, f- I find myself using that word a lot mm-hmm. and it's actually not my favorite word because I feel like it's one of those like kind of like BS words that you say when you don't know what it's like energy, yeah. like you need the energy, the momentum It's like, right. what does that mean? It's like when people tell you to be more confident and you're like, okay, thanks. <laughs> like, but I use that word momentum a lot because there is something about it with that partnership where you do have that unseen energy that's mm-hmm. keeping things moving forward, that's mm-hmm. keeping things progressing. And that's something that, again, we take this back to when you're using the mirror and 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 not translating that into a partnership. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that when you're using the mirror, you don't actually experience until you're dancing physically with a mm-hmm. person. So again, not that it's a bad thing to use the mirror. We're going we're gonna to flip both sides mm-hmm. of the coin on this, but it doesn't translate to a partner as well as it does when you're by yourself. So the mirror is really, really more for who am I as a dancer? What am I doing? What do I need to work on? Yes. So going back to sort of our pro side of the, of the list, one of the biggest things for me that, that helps me as a dancer is the mirror can really, really help you with repetition of movement. So I talked at the beginning of the podcast about how when I was first teaching professionally, I felt very self-conscious about mm-hmm. dancing in front of the mirror and, mm-hmm. and you know, looking like I was obsessed with myself. Or There's just something about mirrors that we, we automatically attune with vanity. Yes, of and course. <laughs> when you're in a dance studio, you kind of get numb to it and, and you, don't, you don't think about it as much. But it really helped me as a dancer, once I got over that whole stigma, to get repetition. Because mm-hmm. for me, I'm not, uh, I don't take to choreography very quickly mm. and I don't take to movement very easily. So that like, uh, oddly enough, you think like, I, I think a lot of people's misconception about dancers is that they're very natural at what they do mm. or just automatically talented. And I, I, I think that there are people who are like that. And then I think for the rest of us, it's just that we are so hard headed that we've done things enough time that we've finally yeah. gotten good at it. Right. And I think that for me, repetition of movement is I have to get something into my muscle memory because mm-hmm. I'm so in my head all the time yes. that if I have to consciously think about what I'm doing, I'll fall apart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so true. And I've gone back to tap dance recently. I love that. Yes. That to me, of every style of dance in the world, to me, that seems like it would be the hardest. It's just very different because, it, I mean, you're you're becoming a musician with tap um, oh, that's funny. I never thought about it yeah, that way. Yeah, you're another you part of the own, band at that you point. Percussion. And I find myself when I'm given a new combination and I really have to really think about it, kind of zoning into my feet in the mirror, knowing, okay, this foot needs to go, you know, out this way and then it's the other foot. And sometimes it helps to zone into that, um, especially to get the rhythms and right. repeating it over and over again, like you said, and the repetition, seeing it in the mirror. But then there's this moment where I'll say, okay, I can't look at it anymore. I need to think about it now. And usually at that point, I'm there. That's amazing. Yeah. Really, when you think about letting your body sort of go through that process of of needing to do it, it it has to get where it needs to be. Right. So, yeah, I've actually been thinking about that consciously. When I finally let that go and just dance, it's there after I've, you know, done the repetition. You can't really let go until you've put the work in and the yes. muscle memory and, and that's all in line. And also, just as a side point, you look a lot less crazy if you're repeating actions over and over again, if you're standing in front of the mirror, right. because it's like, yes. oh, there's a purpose. Uh-huh. I'm not just like a robot doing this repetitive action. I'm yes. actually trying to watch what I'm doing. Yes. You actually brought up a point that I hadn't even consciously thought about on the con list, which is, and this is, again, maybe going to be specific to ballroom. Maybe you'll have some other examples too, but that you can only use the mirror in ballroom up to a point. 
because uh, for Latin or rhythm, there's a lot of situations where you can be dead on facing the mirror and Mm -hmm. practicing a lot of those techniques. Unfortunately for smooth and standard, because we have the element of traveling Mm -hmm. and also an actual direction of movement on the floor counterclockwise. Mm -hmm. And for both the man and the woman, we have a head position Mm -hmm. and it's not conducive to looking at yourself dead on. So if you're if you're focusing on your rhythm or Latin techniques, the mirror is great. If you're focusing on smooth and standard because you're adding rotation, because you're adding movement, you're adding traveling, you do get kind of stuck there. Right. That goes along with, you know, if you're doing petite allegro in ballet class, it's kind of like tap where it's facing front. But if you get into a grand allegro where you're waltzing, you're doing the same thing as yeah. you would do with a standard and you're moving across the floor. There's no way you can keep an eye on yourself in the mirror. You have to let that go and, and dance. Yeah. <laughs> and I think there are things I do practice my closed position in, in smooth and standard in the mirror. You know, you have to obviously position your body to, so the mirror's on your left or whatever. So, mm-hmm. that you, you know, you can cheat it, you can make it work and sure. it, you can still use that. But I, I think you you just have to be doing more simple movements, less mm-hmm. complicated things, which is great too. That's great for repetition. So there is a way. Like I don't, I don't want to make it sound like I'm I'm saying don't practice in the mirror for smooth and standard. Yeah. Like obviously that is that is a factor, but you are limited with your range of motion and what you can do. So you have mm-hmm. to you have to kind of get your position and then and then go off of maybe okay now I can do repetitive footwork or I can do repetitive patterns and then that can kind of that right. can kind of take you forward. So I think the most obvious pro to practicing in front of the mirror or using the mirror, like you said, as a tool, as part of your dancing would be purely just for the aesthetics of what you're doing. The superficial, shallow, hey, does this look good? Now that's subjective, obviously, too, because you might be creating something really unique and unusual. But I think using the mirror, the biggest pro is what do I look like? Yeah. What does it look like? Yep. Absolutely. And that's, that's true of any art form. Except for music, I suppose. Cause, <laughs> but what does it sound like? So yeah. you're using your, you know, the visuals to discern the aesthetics of what what it is you're making. Exactly. One of the most common steps in ballet that where you'll find a lot of ballerinas looking at themselves is when they're doing, again, arabesques. Arabesques are, uh, you know, that's our longest line. It's the most, one of the most beautiful it's lines so beautiful. you make in, in a ballet class. And so definitely you want to see that you're lifting that leg at whatever angle you are capable of and that everything from there on is is reaching and going in the correct direction and making that perfect picture. Yeah, I love that. And it kind of ties into something that you brought up I hadn't really thought about before we started talking was if you're a visual learner, mm. that that tool is going to be crucial to you. Because, I mean, I guess there would be three main styles of learning. There would be auditory, which is someone saying, step forward with your left foot, and then you step forward with your left foot. Okay, great. That's easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe like a kinetic learner who you have to actually physically kind of move them around. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit like that myself. I tend, to, I tend to get much more out of feeling someone actually physically holding me or moving me or with a partner. Like I, I, that's when it kind of like imprints on my muscles. But most of the students that I've worked with and a lot of people that I know their learning style is visual. Mm-hmm. We very we we love to copy things. Mm-hmm. We love to mimic things. And I, I find myself sometimes I'm standing side by side with one of my students or we're doing something in the mirror, or I'm teaching someone something. Mm-hmm. And I 
think to myself, why are they doing that with their hand? And then I looked down at my hand and I'm like, what? It's oh. me. Why am I doing that with my hand? And it's because we just, we copy people and right. you, you know, you have to be very self-aware of what your body is doing. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, mimicry, it's definitely part of the, the learning experience of dance and part of the reason that maybe we need the mirror. I mean, we're, yeah. we're mimicking ourselves almost it's By true looking in, the, in the mirror your re, you know your reflection you're you're looking to see what it's doing yeah that's I I think that's an exact representation of what's happening is that we really do like I keep saying this I feel like it's so corny but the mirror doesn't lie like it yeah, really right. does take you back to mm-hmm. now this is an actual reflection of what I'm doing and I'm mm-hmm. seeing that yeah so this takes us into our very last thing on the con list And I think it's actually, I didn't intentionally write this down last, but I do think it's actually the most important con, which is not using the mirror so much that it limits your focus. One of the more recent coaches we had worked with had said that you need to pick a point of focus. You're either focusing on the audience, you're focusing on your partner, or you have like an internal focus where you're like, ooh, you're feeling yourself or like you're like in so much pain that you have to look down and like (laughs) internalize it. So you've got those three points of focus and you really at every point in the dance need to know where your focus is. And I think that's one of the challenging things about the mirror is that when you're looking in the mirror, obviously your focus is at the mirror, which is either, I don't know if you'd interpret that as internal or the audience, but it does Mm. sort of get you fixated on always expressing outward and not feeling what you're doing. No. And what happens, and I've seen this many times, even with, you know, recent dance performances, If you're spending your time watching yourself in the mirror, that isn't even the way you would interact with the audience. There's this... Well, it's like you called it the void. Yeah. You know, looking at a mirror is way, way different than looking out into a black space or like a sea of faces. Yes. And if you're looking out into that black space, it can be pretty pretty intimidating. For sure. And so, and you you have to um, find a way to react to that, that blank space and you don't really react to yourself in the mirror. You know, cheerleaders have this this practice of doing different faces. They're they're like they actually have to practice these different styles of faces. Oh, that's funny. Their mouth I didn't know that. And, you know, <laughs> and of course you could practice that in the mirror and then when you tr- turn that around and translate it then it's it's going to make you look animated. And there are some competition dancers, like in, in my dance world, yeah. who, are, who do that on a constant basis. And then it starts to look like you're just hamming it up in front like of a mirror. Like you're manufacturing that and exactly. it's not genuine. It's, yeah. it's not genuine. There you go. That's yeah. perfect. And there is the challenge of you're doing this stuff over and over and over again. These these repetitions with your body, whether it's through choreography or just the same type of movement, like, you know, an arabesque or a, a, a chasse and whatever, you're doing these repetitive movements. So how do you make them feel original? How do you make them feel genuine when you're doing them over and over again? You and I talked about music is a big thing. I think for both of us, Yes, we're just like looking at my vinyl collection. I think you and I need to bring back vinyl into the studios and like, we need to get like a record player and like make that a thing. (laughs) (laughs) We need to have like just this little setup and it'll be perfect. Uh But like the, the connection through music is, is obviously crucial, but you know, again, having that, you know, how do you get that genuine feeling when Mm -hmm. all we've been talking about today is 
repetitive movement, looking at yourself, isolating your body muscles. And then it's like, okay, now go out and make someone feel emotion about Mm -hmm. it and not be a robot. Right. That's the rub. And that's where sometimes that translation doesn't happen. Yeah. And it takes a long time for beginning dancers to get to that point, I feel. Part of that, I guess, is just gaining experience in front of an audience, you know, getting away from the out out from that studio atmosphere and getting on a on a stage. When I was in high school, um, we had a dance program. And when I was there, we did not have like an actual dance studio. So we did all of our dance classes on a stage. I was just thinking oh, about, weird. Uh, Funny. about this. But I think maybe it forced, because we had a really great bunch of dancers. So then you didn't have a mirror. We when did you're not okay. have a mirror. Interesting. And um, when I think about some of the other girls I danced with, you know, the majority of them were not actually dancers, quote unquote. They danced at school and that was all. They didn't go to a studio like I did every other night. Right. But we still were expressive and part of that may have been because we were on a stage and that's how we danced all the time. (laughs) That's all you were trained to do. Always on a stage, yeah. That's so So, funny. So that's an interesting aspect, but definitely standing in front of a mirror has its um, has its upsides. You can definitely make a difference in in the quality of movement, but you definitely need to turn away from it. I feel like that's so perfectly put. We kind of talked about this concept for an episode a while ago, the man Mm -hmm. in the mirror. Okay, like, okay, let's talk about why it's important to dance in front of the mirror. Mm -hmm. But then as I was thinking about it, I was like, wow, there's just, there's almost as many reasons not to dance in front of the mirror as there are too. So Mm -hmm. I think really it's about finding that balance again of getting to know yourself as a dancer, Mm -hmm. getting to understand how your body moves and using the mirror as a reflection of that. But then, you know, get out of the studio or even just turn your back on the mirror. He Mm. can be your best friend and your worst enemy. Yes. (laughs) So kind of get out of your head a little bit. Use it as, like you said, I think you put it perfectly when you said use it as a tool, just like you use your costume or your makeup or the music or any other elements. It all kind of comes together in this perfect recipe of hopefully creating something that's really beautiful and original. So hopefully Dory and I have helped you gain a little bit of perspective and some useful tools. And I just want to thank you again so much for coming on and being a guest on the podcast. Hopefully you'll be on many, many more episodes in the future. It was my absolute pleasure. And I love to talk about all of this. Yay. We'll talk about dance forever. Um, So if you're listening to the podcast and you like hearing us talk about dance, don't forget to give us a rating because that would be great. And also don't forget to subscribe because we'll be having really more exciting episodes coming out in the future. 